You're listening to Mind Honey. Welcome to the Mind Honey Podcast. I'm Kason. Hello, I'm Juniper. And today's surprise topic is will versus surrender. Mm. And I think this is one that all of us experience um, at times, and it seems to alternate. I think that's a little bit of a clue. Mm. Um, there are times where We act on an abundance of will. And there's times where we just simply have to let go. And neither of those approaches seem to work forever. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And I think they lead to a lot of confusion, especially in spiritual practice. So I thought it was something potentially interesting to explore. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's let's dive in. <laughs> what is the first thing that comes up when you consider these different paths of will and surrender? Well, will is the classical path. I think most of us Americans understand quite well. Mm-hmm. It's like This intense desire to become. Yeah. This desire to overcome. You know, whether it's training for some athletic achievement or studying in school or something, you know, you encounter resistance and you use your will to break through the resistance. Yeah. The internal resistance. Um, I think the one that's much less familiar is, is surrender. And I think they both just touch on the same point, which is transcendence. Mm. Um, yeah, I think we can get into a comfortable mode and and too much will will drive you into uh, depression, I think. And exhaustion. And exhaustion. And too much surrender will lead you into potentially boundaryless, destructive ways of life mm. um, that are not supportive to your growth. So how do you navigate that hall of mirrors? <laughs> Ooh, excellent question. Mm. Mm. I think what immediately comes to mind like when you bring up this topic is um I did a mushroom journey this last week and my intention going into the journey, I always like to like set an intention was to let go. Mm. 
and that it wouldn't hurt as bad as I think it will. Mm -hmm. And so like the beginning part of the journey, I felt this like, ah, just like this like matrix inside of me of like feelings and they were, they were pretty loud and um, some of them were pretty abrasive. And I was like, okay, I need to like go into the feelings, you know? And um, at one point I was at, I was at the, near the coast. And so I went to the beach and I sat down and I was just sitting there by myself. And, you know, I like looked at the ocean and then I closed my eyes and I like went inward to this like dark, like uh, feeling place. And I was like, okay, what do I need to let go of? Like, what, what's the work I need? Like very will focus, like mm-hmm. what you're saying, like very much so. And I was kind of in that place. And then I was a little bit startled. Um, a friend of mine who was also on journeying came up and was like, hey, can I be with you or would you like to be alone? And I was like, oh, you can be with me. And she was like, can I like sit behind you and hold you? And I was like, yeah, actually, that sounds really nice. And so she like sat behind me and like held me and like brought this like really like lighthearted, like warm sweetness like open-hearted which was such a contrast to what I had just been experiencing in this like I need Mm. to figure out what I need to let go of and then mm." Mm -hmm. and then just all of a sudden like the whole trip changed and then next thing I knew like hours had passed (laughs) and like you know I'm in a totally different place and like I'm looking out at I'm actually looking out at the ocean and um I had this realization like there's some things that I've been wanting that I've been willing that I've been trying to manifest that I've been like doing the work I need to do to be ready and then I've having you know these conversations with the universe about like how I think it should go (laughs) and I was just like sitting there looking at the ocean and I was like you know what I've done the work I've been clear. Now is the time to just relax and get into like receptive mode Mm. and not focus on like not having these things that I desire. Um, Even though I think wanting can be a, a, a pointer and a direction. And like, I think as humans, we usually like to have a direction. So that's like, can be very motivating. And then I just was like, it felt this like ease kind of like when my friend came behind me and just like had this like, ah, Mm. let me just like surrender back into the now and be grateful for the experiences I'm having now. Yeah. Yeah. What, what's really strongly present is this idea of alternating. Mm. Um, you, you take form strongly through will and then you let it go into formlessness and then you take form and then you let it go. It's like a breath. You take, you breathe in and you breathe out. You breathe in and you yeah. breathe out. And we effortlessly alternate in that way every minute of every day for our whole lives. <laughs> and it's so built in that we overlook that need to have these alternating periods of um, expression and 
impression. I don't know what's the opposite. Reception. Reception, <laughs> <Maybe>. yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. What's interesting about that, like, with the breath, is that whether you're breathing in or breathing out, whether you're willing or surrendering, there's a relationship to the air. Mm. Which seems like an important part of both paths. Like both are like in relationship to this like mystery, this mysterious life-giving substance that fills our bodies and keeps us alive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm I've been reading this book called The Radiance Sutras and one of the lines I I can recall is um is breathe all the way in and just before the breath turns there's joy. Breathe all the way out and just before it turns emptiness. Um and so it's the in breath is sustaining life. And then the out breath is purifying life. So it's it's releasing it back into the mystery to be renewed, mm. only to come back to you again. Mm. And um, it makes sense to me now why so many spiritual practices are pointing you towards consciousness of the breath. Yeah. <laughs> Because I think if all you could do is just maintain consciousness of every in-breath and out-breath all day long, and that sounds simple enough, but it's a tall order, mm -hmm. I, it make, I wonder how I would change my daily activities. Yeah. So breathing, will, and surrender. Where do we go from here? <laughs> this episode is, is a mystery to me. <laughs> Isn't every episode? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm curious, like, I think since... Perhaps a lot of us are more familiar with the will path. Mm. And, you know, like there's all this stuff that comes up around like manifesting, like um, law of attraction and this kind of idea like, okay, you need to like get yourself lined up and clear. And like we're saying, that's important. And I think there's always, you know, work to come back to in one of the breaths. But I'm wondering, perhaps us, <clears throat> the two of us in this room, and perhaps others listening to this, might have difficulties in that transition between the breaths. Mm -hmm. That transition from like, okay, I've done my vision board, I've written my list, I've gotten clear on what it is that I want, I've asked myself all the questions, I've felt the feelings of how it's going to feel, and then what? How do you how do you transition into that surrender piece and that like receptive like flow back into life? Um, and I'm I'm I guess I'm I'm curious like what is it you know at the top of the breath 
that makes it difficult to what's keeping us from shifting into surrender agreed i think we want more mm. give me give me give me i want more 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 not willing to give anything away not willing to let it go just want to get it mm. and i think it's it's not a conscious greed i think it's more unconscious just this ravenousness this desire to consume life you know like a kid in a candy store i don't think it's a bad thing but it this letting go is a is a sort of powerful teacher mm. right it's obvious with your lungs you can't just keep breathing in you know there's a sort of capacity <laughs> that's felt in the body and, and just naturally you have to let it go but when it comes to success or praise or um, comfort or safety, mm-hmm. I mean, I think most of us would be hard pressed to say like, no, I need to let go of some of that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, most people would say, oh, I don't get enough of that. Mm-hmm. I get plenty of pain and discomfort and anger and whatever i can let that go so we say Mm -hmm. um yeah i don't think we're particularly good at that either but yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah we think we want to let go of anger um Mm. we think we want to let go of being right but but no we don't want to let go of safety i think that's a a good one to tap into because um I think we'd all agree like that's almost a universal wish on behalf of all beings that we all be safe yeah um so how can you reach a point where you're not you're saying okay i'll give up some of my safety right or i should say apparent safety because mm-hmm. a meteor could blow up your house like right now so <laughs> you're not actually safe uh, you just kind of feel safe um so this letting go i think the world has a really masterful way of prying things from your fingers Mm -hmm. and i think a lot of beautiful cultures over the millennia have devised their own cultural and ritualistic ways of of making the act of letting go and giving up a um, an experience for everyone in the culture, right? Mm. I think uh, Lent or Ramadan are an obvious contemporary example, but there's other way more intense examples too uh, throughout history. Um, but yeah, we're afraid we're afraid to let go because it's not. It means, it means losing what we know and, and entering into something we don't know. Yeah. While you're saying that, I'm thinking of, um, so I do a lot of work with people's bodies, studying to be a doctor, 
and I've been doing a lot of work with people's diaphragms, and it's this, like, very subtle, um, like, myofascial release technique where, like, I put my hands on the bottom part of their ribs or sometimes, like, on the top of um, their abdomen and underneath their back, but especially, like, on the top part of their ribs, and I just, like, listen with my hands and feel the movement of the diaphragm, which is this muscle that moves and helps you breathe. Um, and it has a, a wave to it, like it has a movement, a natural movement. And then I just slowly begin to move my hands with the feeling of that. And in almost every person that I've ever like done this work on, there's a point where it catches. And like sometimes it's at the bottom of the breath, sometimes it's at the top of the breath, sometimes it's just like over on one side, and then the diaphragm spasms, and like there's like this little like, uh, and that's what you're talking about, like this fear, like our, that's like physically represented in this density in our in our breath, in that mm. like transition between, <sighs> yeah, yeah. You know, there's a lot of more advanced meditation practices where if you can start to recognize, Buddhists call it original mind, but essentially the undefinable, unknowable, beyond the beyond experience of openness, the groundlessness. In a split second, typically, in the few times I feel like I've recognized it, something kicks on immediately. You encounter this openness and your your reaction turns on the juice and it points you in another direction yeah. to get the ball rolling into a thread of familiarity. It's just a sort of... Um, I don't know. It's like a homeostasis of some kind. It feels <laughs> like um, it's exactly like you said. This bodily twitch. You you encounter it, and then in a flash, you're already somewhere else because it's so unfathomable, unfathomable that it's uncomfortable and can be disturbing even. Uh, yeah. To have those experiences, right? Like what comes to mind is. I mean, I could think of a million terrible things, but <laughs> what comes to mind is like you go out to eat, you have a beautiful dinner with your friends and you come home and your house is completely just burnt to the ground. There's just nothing left, right? Like there's just this feeling of devastation to the point of being unable to process it. Mm -hmm. And... It's funny that you can have that experience just by looking at your own mind. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we're constantly running away from ourselves. Yeah. Mm. What a journey we signed up for with this whole humaning thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's um, it's a little bizarre. Because it, it really seems like, I mean, I'd love to be wrong on this fact, but it really seems like there's never really any, like, 
getting it. There's no. never really a point where it's like, I am original mind, <laughs> yeah. and I will remain original mind. You know, it's like the work of being human is like, like similar to like what I'm doing with people's diaphragms. Like when I'm holding like that, mm -hmm. if, if we can work together, me and the person and their breath, there will usually come a point in the treatment when there's no catch. And sometimes it's only for like three breaths. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can get into a groove. And then when I take my hands off, like sometimes it'll stay and sometimes it goes right back. And like, on the one hand, like, there's a part of me that's like, what is the point? <laughs> you know, like, we're not getting it. But then on the other hand, I'm like, that person's whole system just got for those three breaths to experience that flow mm. between in and out, between will and surrender. And that those three breaths even though like in our experience of time is like pretty quick, that's a different thing to interact with and that changes you going forward, which is pretty cool. Like, I don't know. I, I grew up in um, like a very Christian environment and there was a lot of this like, uh, like talk about sin mm. and, uh, a lot of guilt and a lot of shame, you know, like, oh, you're doing things wrong and you need to be punished and then you need to be saved and you need to be forgiven and blah, 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 mm -hmm. all this stuff. And I think from that experience and perhaps other like influences, I had this like very punishing inside of myself voice, mm -hmm. very harsh, very critical. And it's just like, that doesn't get us anywhere. No. Like, yeah. if you only have three breaths your whole life, great job. <laughs> like, you got to experience that flow. Mm -hmm. and, and it's so simple. It's so tiny. It's so fleeting. Yes, fleeting. You know, like, like seeing a hummingbird out your window, right? You notice it. And it's almost a timeless experience seeing a little hummingbird, catching all of its shimmering colors, and then off it goes. Yeah. And um, there's something about the short-lived experience that makes it special in that if you could stare at a, like if you killed the hummingbird and like could look at it real close for hours and hours <laughs> at a time, it's, it's dead, it's meaningless, it's pointless. Yeah. So there's something about the coming and the going that makes it special. Yeah. And there's something about this idea of growth where, you know, the seed is just consumed from the inside. It's completely annihilated and it turns into something totally different. And it pushes its way through the soil and it comes out into the air. Mm. And it needs to survive against frost and animals walking all over it. And 
And if it's lucky enough just to become like a little sapling, now it needs to survive against wind blowing it, right? And there's just these cyclical seasons that are such beautiful teachers when it comes to the natural world that make life worthy. They, they alternate between just pure, warming, loving, nourishing and cold, bitter uh, <laughs> punishment. And it goes in alternation, never for too long in one direction or the other. It's never a permanent winter. It's never a permanent summer. Yeah. Um, and I think the human mind has sort of become dislocated from reality in a sense in that it would love for it to just be a permanent summer. Mm -hmm. You know, can I just have warm warm days by the beach forever you know without really understanding what you're going to do to that it's like killing the hummingbird yeah and i think similarly like i hear this in a lot of conversation with friends is this idea that like oh something is hard something is bad something is hurting and it's going to be like this forever there's that both like wanting the things that, that feel good that we would define in the spring and summer to stay forever. But there's also when things are hard, this like almost like lack of trust that like it will shift back. And I think it is that like trust that's kind of like what's in the transition, both like when something amazing is happening, to have enough trust to let that go. Mm -hmm. And then when something hard and harsh and breaking and shattering or sad or angry, you know, is happening to have enough trust that it will end. Mm. Yeah. I think you've touched on the, the nexus point there between will and surrender, right? This faith, this idea of faith mm. is like this, point between will and surrender feels like this you're showing up to the hummingbird you're showing up to the icy wind and there's a simultaneous will to be there and a will to open to it mm -hmm. but the opening is also a surrender at the same time yeah and so, yeah, I, I'm not sure what more can be said there. That feels like the, it's, it's, it's simultaneous. It's, it's opening and pushing through at the same time. I mean, that feels a lot like blooming. Yes. Like I've been thinking this whole time we've been talking, I have this image coming up in my mind of, on my daily walks, I walk by, especially through spring, things that are blooming. And it's like the cherry blossoms that were blooming three weeks ago, there's no flowers on them anymore. Now there's these little bright green, and then there's these 
other like puffy yellow flowers that are starting and then there's these trees I don't even know what they are what shape that flower is in and they're starting and it's like what amazing faith in the universe in the way of things in this cycle in this that like I perceive a flower to have to bloom and then to die two weeks later. And then there's another flower that's blooming. It's like just this like song of trust, this like echo of faith between these blooming and blooming and blooming. Ah. Yeah, ever becoming. Ever beginning. 